This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our April 16th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk, and I I hope you all are enjoying this uh, nice, fun volatility that we're having. Uh, definitely the most interesting market in a decade, right? Since the financial crisis. And there's a lot of opportunities, there's a lot of pitfalls, and we are here to help guide you through all of this. And the financial disruption caused by COVID-19 uh, are, are certainly the most serious crisis since 2008. And for millions, you know, even more severe. Right? We had another report today on jobless claims down about 5.5 million. So in aggregate, between the, the last four weeks, basically span of a month, lost about 22 million jobs. Now the big question is what happened next? Now there was a surge after hours on optimism around uh, a vaccine. May or may not happen, and I think that's what you're likely to see for a, a while. Is you know, there's hopeful news around some treatment or some vaccine, uh, and you know, these are difficult problems to solve. Even though we have uh, the best minds of the world looking at it and trying to solve the medical treatment side of it, there's no guarantee that they actually come to one. Right, they've been they've known about the flu for decades, and we still they still have to adjust for the latest flu strain with the flu shot, and um, you know there, there's there's still a lot of challenges with dealing with the flu, which as we know is not as deadly as this, especially for older people. So now the big next big question that investors are looking at is when will the com- the country reopen and uh, the White House has released some guidelines on that, uh, but I think it'll be, in a lot of ways, up to the states, and uh, the guidelines are relatively unclear. And what's also unclear is when exactly we get back to some semblance of normalcy. So we are here for you, and we must face this reality together, and we're going to work through the problems, work through the questions that you might have, and that's our goal each and every weekday here on Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you'll call me in this hour and through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast. I can help you become a better investor, and one way that Steve and I do that is by implementing a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. So our goal is to give you unbiased guidance, give you that balanced view. Right? You're, you don't get a lot of balanced views in media. <clears throat> So I don't really consider us media, even though I guess technically we are. But we got to give you the, the pros and the cons of everything. And you need to approach every decision with that mindset. And we only recommend investment strategies that we implement for ourselves. And uh, we invest right alongside our clients. So we kind of put our money where our math, ma- mouth is. Excuse me. 
Now, now that I've set things up, I'm here and ready to answer your investing and finance questions. Our anytime listener line is open, and I'm taking your calls live at 888-989-CHART. Now, because of the COVID-19 stay-in-place orders around the country, Steve and I have postponed our travel trips uh, pretty much indefinitely. I'm hoping we can get back on the road sometime in the month of June, maybe uh, July, but we shall see. But we are doing plenty of phone calls, Skype calls, Jive video conferencing calls. There's so many ways to connect in today's world. So if you want to set up uh, one of those portfolio reviews, discussions with us, just reach out to us at our KP Financial Office in Irvine, California. That's 800-557-5461. Or you can simply go to investtalk.com and click on the Contact Us button. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that with many small businesses in COVID-19 crisis mode, PayPal and Square have been approved to distribute PPP loans, Paycheck Protection Program loans. And so can these fintechs replace banks? So we're going to touch on that quick trend. Also, I think I didn't get to the topic yesterday when it came to uh, came to REITs, private REITs, and the lack of transparency there, the lack of ability to get your money out, and I think that's a, a big story that was familiar in 2008, but one of those lessons that most, a lot of people didn't learn, so we're going to touch on that. And then next, deglobalization, why the coronavirus is the spark that starts this, this longer-term trend and what it means. And then lastly, bond funds. Uh, A lot of people who are pre-retirees, retirees are looking for income and what is the best way to get that income relatively safely. And so we're going to talk about bond funds, both short and intermediate, as well as corporate bond funds. How often on rolling, you know, six month, 12 month periods are these funds negative? Are you losing money? And what is, what can be expected in an environment where rates are so low and instead of the tailwind of rates dropping for the last 35 years, you're going to start to see headwinds of rates generally rising. So we're going to touch on what that means for portfolios. Quickly, let's look at the market today. Modest up day after a pretty decent down day yesterday. So, uh, you know, a lot of choppiness, not shocked here. I expect this and a lot of optimism around reopening the economy and a vaccine, which both will eventually happen. I just don't think they'll be full up and running anytime soon, uh, which means it's likely going to be, at least on the job, on the opening side, right, opening the economy side, a buy the rumor, sell the news type of event. Uh, so ooh, I expect volatility to certainly pick up now after option X this week uh, and probably starting at the beginning of June. No, May. May, yeah, it's April. There we go. <laughs> Let's go to Anya in Ohio looking at Logitech. Hello, Justin. How are you? I'm doing all right, you know, uh, trying to try, trying to navigate this uh, this crazy beast. And, and uh, it's been interesting. It's been fun, uh, but definitely having uh, having some success. And you're looking at Logitech. This is a Swiss, Swiss company, one of the biggest makers of computer and personal peripherals for computers and, and digital platforms of, of all kinds, uh, iPads, uh, tablets, phones, etc. About a six, $7.6 billion market cap. Modest growth for the last uh, year, last 
full year, revenues were up about 5%-ish or so, and earnings up 20-something percent, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But obviously, the economic backdrop is something uh, different. Uh, why are you looking at it? Or do you own it? I do not own it. I am considering possibly mm-hmm. to acquire it at the right, pl- uh, the right uh, price uh, for long-term mm-hmm. investment. And I'm wondering your opinion okay. if that would be a good one. Well, one thing I like is that they have a very clean balance sheet. Zero long-term debts about $656 million in cash and short-term investments, as well as uh, total liabilities, only about a billion dollars. So I think this is a company in a very good financial situation, except they are pretty expensive. You know, 20 times revenue, I think they're, uh, sorry, enterprise value to EBITDA is 20 times, which is a little rich for me. But my issue here is that I do think their business is going to be somewhat cyclical, right? How, how many uh, keyboards and new mouses are people going to buy? They're kind of going to go with their old ones. Uh, how many when people hire or companies hire? They typically buy new equipment for those employees. That's probably not going to happen. So I don't love that economic backdrop. But I do like the company. I like the long-term profitability of the business. I just wouldn't buy it here. I'm, you know, I would look for something around the thirty-dollar level. 25 to 30, that's the area that I would like Logitech. Now we're at 45. So uh, I think you'll likely get there over the next couple of years. So uh, keep it on your watch list. Definitely a great company. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. And during these times when social distancing guidelines are require most of us to work at home and stay at home, you might have some discretionary time because you aren't commuting. Head over to our website, investtalk.com. You can learn a lot about our investment programs and other resources to help you navigate this crazy market. Now, if you're serious about achieving financial freedom, you've got to be prepared for market volatility. So exploring investtalk.com will help you do that. And now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. The COVID-19 pandemic has forced millions of people to stay home, which is getting in the way of everyone's normal exercise routine. Gyms are closed, people are stuck inside, and tightness and stiffness are afflicting us all. This is the perfect time to focus on your personal health and wellness. And I know you have heard me say this before, but recently I discovered this great product to reduce my pain and stiffness caused by sitting too long at my desk doing research and talking to clients. It has 13 all-natural ingredients and is sold in hundreds of doctor's offices, pharmacies, and gyms, and spas throughout the country. This muscle rub made by Quanta, a publicly traded applied science company, has patented technology proven to supercharge key ingredients and make them perform five times more effectively within the human body. It is optimized to drastically reduce both pain and inflammation naturally. I know this sounds too good to be true, but they have the white papers to prove it. I use their various health and wellness products every day and find a host of different benefits. Additionally, for a limited time, listeners of our program can receive promotional discount pricing at buyquanta.com. Use the promo code INVEST to save 20% on your first order. In fact, Quanta is so highly confident you'll be pleased with their products, that's why they offer a money-back guarantee if you aren't satisfied with the results. Again, simply use the code INVEST to save 20% at buyquanta.com. B-U-Y-Q-U-A-N-T-A dot com. April is National Literacy Month. 
It was created to highlight the importance of financial literacy. The objective is to teach Americans how to establish and maintain healthy financial habits. And you are already on the right track by listening to Invest Talk. The phone lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions now. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Faroon in Fremont looking at ExxonMobil. Yes. Uh, hi, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, uh, as I mm-hmm. talked to you earlier about oil play and you were saying some big companies, I was looking at mm-hmm. ExxonMobil, Chevron, or BP. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, throw some light on these companies or is that a good place? Yeah, I think you're you're looking in the right uh, vicinity. We own Exxon for uh, some managed accounts. Uh, I like Chevron as well. Chevron is going to be a little bit safer of a play. I'll say that. I mean, I think both are relatively safe. Uh, nothing is in the equity markets is safe. But if you're talking about oil companies, you know these are a couple that are as safe as they they pretty much get. Uh, now. Exxon did make a big uh, acquisition in the natural gas space, and that's weighed on it more than Exxon, so it's been hit harder. Uh, but we do think longer term that will will bounce back, uh, especially now that wells are being shut down. The supply of natural gas is a byproduct of a lot of uh, a lot of wells, and I think that that's going to come more in balance. So, from an opportunistic standpoint, uh, we like Exxon Mobil right now over Chevron, but both are, are good options long-term. Let's go to Alex in Georgia looking at DAL, Delta Airlines. Yeah, how you doing? How you doing? Thanks for taking my call. Um, I wanted to know, um, can you talk a little bit about what's going on with the airline industry as a whole? And then after that, uh, is Delta, is it something that, what do you, how do you feel about Delta as a investment, investing in Delta? Uh, I'm not. I'm not a fan of any of the airlines at all. I think uh, this is going to be a drag on the travel industry for some time. Not only because of lack of uh, movement patterns by older uh, po- people in our population, but also think of the the corporations that are working from home. They're doing things more remotely, and they're probably thinking, "Hey, you know what? That meeting could have been." a phone call or a Skype call or a Zoom call or whatever, right? A video conference. And you don't need to make that spend of $500,000 to get somebody from point A to point B, put them up in a hotel, et cetera. And so I don't like the airlines at all for the medium term. A lot of them have a lot of debt and they need to have capacity 70, 80, 90% for them to be profitable. And while Delta is one of the, the better balance sheets in the industry, I just don't like any of them at all. So I would absolutely pass hard. I, I've always disliked airlines. It comes from my grandpa, you know, moving people from point A to point B, it's a commodity service. People just want to get there. Yes, they don't want to be abused. They want it to be relatively comfortable, but nobody really cares that much, whether it's Delta or American or Southwest or Hawaiian, it doesn't really matter that much. So I really just don't like the business overall, and especially in this environment, I hate it. So uh, I'm passing on every airline that's out there for the time being until there's a little more clarity. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and you and I both know that no one can reliably predict market moves. 
seen that recently. It's been pretty wild, but that means you've got to be prepared to handle market volatility by balancing your portfolio. And Steve and I can help you do that. So you can call in with your inquiries at, at our KP Financial Offices in Irvine, California, set up a portfolio review over the phone or in a video conference as well. But now I'm taking your questions live at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. It's Thursday, and there's no doubt that the COVID-19 pandemic has caused financial disruptions around the world. But you've got an asset portfolio to protect and grow. So you've got finance and investment questions. Justin Klein is here, and he's taking your calls live. 888-99-CHART. 8899 chart, 889924278. Now let's touch a little bit on the fact that Square and PayPal are now helping get approved the Paycheck Protection Program loans uh, along with Intuit. And these are three of the largest fintech companies out there. And this is something new for them, right? To get into the loan uh, processing business and there's a lot of people, investors, that believe that their speed and efficiency using their algorithms and streamlining automation of you know, the underwriting and disbursement and servicing of these loans can really get them their foot on the door to that side of the business, right? away from uh, the banks. Now, PayPal and Square are working still with uh, banking partners on this lending program, but they're they're working together. And what's interesting is that, did you know 20% of taxpayers or 28 million people in the US don't have bank accounts? So where are they going to get their money? Well, there's the Venmo app through PayPal or the Square Cash app. And that's how many of them are receiving stimulus checks through those platforms. People that don't have bank accounts. now. They're going to earn about 5% for loans under $350,000. And while the vast majority are going to be under that, that's still enough because of their efficiency to earn some money around it. Uh, and you know, the, these are the type of events around major calamities, unique situations that require flexibility, and companies that can be dynamic depending on the environment that they're in. These are things that come about. And oftentimes, these quote-unquote temporary measures or one-time things become more permanent. Why? Because if they're successful, why not find other ways to utilize that skill set, that technology, uh, etc. One example right now is there's... A lot more, a lot more companies, especially on the retail side, are bulking up their online presence either through just e-commerce or pick up in store. I know Best Buy's been doing that uh, pretty effectively. So you know, the, these are the changes that you should expect, and they can mean big opportunity for certain companies that can take advantage. Now, I'm not saying you run out and go by PayPal or Square, but these are examples of things that can arise from unique situations. Let's go to Mark in Philadelphia. He wants to talk about ETFs. 
Hey, Justin, how you doing? Um, I'm doing all right. Um, uh, what's your question about ETFs? My question is, so I'm a young investor, uh, 34 years old, so I have a long uh, time horizon. So, I, you know, uh, this volatility has been really a godsend for me. I mean, you know, I've been really parked in cash for a long time uh, as I saw the market go to new highs. So I like some ETFs, you know, that have low PE ratios. I guess I'm a value investor, just like you and Steve. My concern is that, you know, even with a more reputable company like BlackRock, if I get in an ETF and then for whatever reason uh, maybe has like a few assets under management or there's just too much volatility or whatever, the ETF will liquidate. Uh, and just kind of generally, I'm just curious your perspective about ETFs as a fake, as, as a safe investment, because my concern, of course, would be, you know, I can I can ride something out because I have a long time horizon. I don't plan to retire for another 30 years. But my concern would be, of course, if it's liquidated, then I'll lose uh, you know, the losses will be locked in. I'm just wondering if you have any perspective on that. Yeah, you, you're, you're worrying about the wrong thing. ETFs typically trade very close to what is called the NAV, net asset value, meaning that they, uh, they're, they're buying a you're paying the value of the underlying assets that are in that particular portfolio that's in that ETF. Uh, and if they unwind it or dissolve that ETF because of lack of, of interest or whatever, then usually you're getting back your, you know, the, the last price, uh, whatever the NAV is. Uh, so you don't really have to worry mm -hmm. too much about that. Now, there are what is called a closed-end fund, which are different than ETFs. And often those closed-end funds, they do trade at discounts. And, uh, but when, you, when they dissolve, they sell the assets and they return it to the shareholders. So you don't have to worry too much about that either. So you're worrying about the wrong aspect of ETFs in my, my view. Maybe bond fund, bond ETFs may be a little bit different, but I think on the equity side, because equities tend to be so liquid, uh, I think you're fine. Now, what I would worry more about is the fact that in ETFs, um, pretty much all of them, there's a lot of br broad exposure. Uh, and with broad exposure means you get the good with the bad. And in this environment, guess what? There's probably more bad than good, right? Because of the underlying economic situation. In normal times, there's more good than bad because the uh, rising tide lifts all boats. Uh, so that's what you have to be more concerned with. How concentrated are these ETFs on cyclical businesses, companies with a lot of debt, uh, etc.? So that's where you need to focus your questions. Thanks for the call, Mark. Now, on the next Invest Talk, a story based on this opinion. A major shift in the post-coronavirus economy means investors will want to emphasize stocks and non-broad-based ETFs. Is this correct? Will there be a massive new opportunity in stocks? What type of stocks? That story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At the start of each new day, we are presented with opportunities. The chance to learn better ways of doing things. The prospect for establishing stronger business connections. But as you go about your daily routine, there's one task, one challenge you should not put off. The need to plan for and work toward achieving financial freedom. That point in the future when your money, your assets are working for you while you work only if you want to. Getting from here to there to your idea of financial freedom is possible. However, serious investors eventually recognize that unless they can afford to devote the time and efforts 
required to thoroughly understand market dynamics, to properly balance, optimize, and maintain their portfolios, expert guidance will be essential. The moment that spark of reality hits, you will want to consult with Steve Peasley and Justin Klein of KPP Financial in Irvine, California. KPP Financial Consultations are unbiased, offered without cost or obligation, and designed to help guide individuals toward their ultimate financial objectives. The next highly beneficial step for your investing future can start when you reach out to Steve or Justin via Skype, a phone call, or a quick message through investtalk.com. You are listening to Invest Talk. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Justin Klein is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance, and the phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Axel in Montclair. He's uh, looking at Workday. Are you looking to buy it or you own it? I'm looking to buy it, and I'd like your assessment regarding the balance sheet and debt during this downturn. Well, their balance sheet looks pretty crystal clear, pretty pretty clean. $1.2 billion in long-term debt, and they have about $2 billion in cash. So they're, they're in good financial situation uh, going into this downturn, which is, which is fantastic. Most A lot of software companies do. Now, they are an enterprise cloud business for finance and human resources. And clearly, if people get laid off, and uh, companies struggle, maybe there's bankruptcies, they may lose some clients uh, and some revenue in that sense. So that would be my biggest worry here. But I do like the business. The question is, what is a reasonable valuation for the company? That's that's a tough question because it, it's been growing at a level of about 30 to 25 to 30% over the past couple of years on the revenue side and earnings a little higher than that. No dividend, $33 billion market cap, trading at 77 times earnings, enterprise value to, to EBITDA. Well, their EBITDA is negative, right? They're still losing money on an EBITDA basis, which worries me a little bit. Um, so it's just an expensive name overall, and but it is something that I have on my watches. I do think it is uh, one of the better cloud names out there. But there's likely to be more downside if the economy continues to deteriorate because their customers' business is going to deteriorate and the number of employees are obviously going to deteriorate with 22 million unemployed. So you definitely need to, to worry about that. So near term, not a fan of it. The technicals are pretty poor. The valuation is still a little stretched. Uh, around $100 a share, that's where I would love this name. Around $100 a share. Now it's at 142 But I like that you have it in our watch list. But it's just in a tough economic environment. So I'm passing on it for the time being keeping on my watch list. Let's go to Robert in San Leandro, and he wants an ETF follow-up. Yes, sir. I'd like to know, why is the SIL ETF a lot higher than the SLV ETF? When you say a lot higher, what do you mean? So that SIL ETF, when I pull it up, it costs more. It's like $29 or something. And then the SLV, okay. it trades like uh, the cost of what silver is. 
like fourteen, fifteen dollars. Okay. Well, well, first off, the the underlying val or the value uh, that a ETF trades at. There's, there's no right right or wrong number. No, numbers don't matter. It's about the size of the assets, the value of the a underlying assets. So don't ever think of it like that. So first off, uh, you're, you're thinking about it wrong. It's not that SIL is more expensive. There's uh, If you're go translating that to individual companies, there are many companies that are trade for $29 that are way cheaper than companies that trade for $14 has nothing to do with the dollar amount that it trades at. So understand this, the number one uh, misnomer that most investors have, they look at the dollar price that something trades at and they equate that to some value. There's no, there's nothing there, okay? Now what you're also looking at are two very different ETFs. One is tracking the underlying value of silver price, the other are the silver miners, SIL is a silver, silver miners. So SIL is gonna be more volatile and it is owning the mining companies in the silver industry, as opposed to straight silver. So you're looking at two very different types of ETFs. Uh, even though they're tracking the same space, you're investing in actual silver and this underlying silver spot price and on SLV and then SIL are the miners that are out there mining for silver. Thanks for the call, Robert. 88899 chart, 88992 We have about 20 minutes to get your call in. And I want to touch quickly on REITs and real estate investment trusts. I was going to get to this yesterday, but uh, I'll get to it today instead. Now, about $70 billion has flowed into the non-traded REIT market over the past seven years. And $11.8 billion in 2018. Oh, no, sorry, last year. And that's twice the amount of 2018. And there are many in this, in, in this time, including uh, Inpoint Commercial Real Estate Income Trust, FS Credit Real Estate Income Trust, that are stopping investors from withdrawing their money. Now, these are often pitched by brokers, earning very high commissions, and touting consistent, stable income. And often they're promising seven, eight, nine percent. Well, anything that's offering those high single digits into the double digit yield on income in this environment, they're taking a decent amount of risk with that. And oftentimes, especially if you're talking about real estate or something that's fixed income uh, driven, it's going to be using leverage. Right? The real estate sector is the most leveraged area of the economy. And many of these REITs are illiquid and very hard to get their money out. I have a client, uh, one of our, our bigger clients, and he was with another broker who sold him these things, and we were trying to liquidate them well before this, right? And they said in the statement that it was valued at X, but when you actually go to sell it, he, they were only offering him 15, 20% discount to what they said it was worth. So oftentimes... You might look at your statement and think that you have X dollar amount in these funds, but when you come to sell them, you don't get nearly that price. And in tough times like this, they can what they, they can do what they call gating, putting up a gate to redemption, saying, sorry, you can't get your money back until we say you can. Now they use excuses like they want to, they don't want to liquidate in uh, tough times, right? 
uh, or it's unfair to other shareholders to sell assets and uh, and uh, while other ones are maybe underwater. They make a lot of excuses. And there's really no need for this. There's really no need for these private REITs. They shouldn't be around. They're too opaque. You don't know what's in them. They often have very high fees. And they're pitched by brokers. Huge conflicts of interest. So I urge you to avoid these. You know, they're just a lot like annuities, right? Huge conflicts of interest. And they tend to do very poorly. In fact, worse than public REITs. If you want to invest in the REIT sector, there are dozens, probably hundreds of different REITs out there from all different areas of the marketplace that have been around for decades that are very well run, have good management teams, great assets, and you can earn still very solid returns. Now you might you might get a little lower yield than what these hucksters are promising. But guess what? You get liquidity. If you need your money, you can get it. You understand what's in them. You can tune into their conference calls. So these private REITs are just another one of those kind of off the beaten path, opaque securities that people should just avoid. Even though they've been around for 20 years, they a lot of them went bust and gated in 2008. Closed up shop, and what did they do? A few years later, opened up some new ones. Got some new people ready to, to invest. And those investors, in a lot of cases, are hurting right now, needing capital, and not able to get it. Now, I'm Justin Klein, and you're listening to Invest Talk, and Obviously, you understand the importance of unbiased guidance and experienced market analysis. So I encourage you to consider subscribing to our KPP Financial Premium Newsletter. It's written every week and distributed to your email box every Friday. It's, it's well worth the subscription cost. There's so many great insights that, uh, that, that are in there every single week about the market. You have stock ideas to put on your watch list as well as portfolio management tips, which I think are very underrated that uh, people should get a lot of value out of to really understand, once again, how to construct a portfolio, what the pros and cons are of adding certain types of asset classes to your portfolio, uh, how to manage risk, etc. As well as uh, there's also some personal finance tips. So there's a lot to digest and it comes to you every week. So if you're a newer investor, you're still learning, it is a fantastic tool for you to continue to expand your knowledge, get used to the terminology, and get used to analyzing companies, asset classes, investments more properly. Now I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. At a time of great interest in the market, InvestTalk listeners are invited to expand their stock and strategy guidance information by listening to a special new bonus podcast, the InvestTalk Rapid Fire Hour. By concentrating exclusively on InvestTalk's voice bank questions, Steve Peasley and Justin Klein were able to move the podcast at a brisk pace. So tell your friends. They can hear answers to 28 questions in just an hour's time. Go to investtalk.com to see the podcast listing for The March Bonus Show. 
And now the Anytime Listener lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. Hey guys, thank you so much for the radio show. Really enjoy it. This question is for Justin in particular. Justin, you've mentioned many, many times in the past for folks to guard against, be careful about index investing. The reason being that in downturns, index portfolios don't have a lot of cash on hand, end up having to liquidate holdings, which then fuels the downturn that's already happening. Hopefully that's a reasonable explanation. To what extent has that already happened or has it happened in just the last month and a half or so? Very curious to hear what you have to say. Thank you. Well, that's one way to describe it. Uh, I, I would say that's partly true, but you, you have to add some, some other factors as well. Uh, the fact that in a down economy, in a bear market, when you own the majority of the market, you're going to get dragged down with a lot of the poor companies or the companies that are, are struggling, right? There's a saying, the rising tide lifts all boats. But there's also the saying that when the tide goes out, you see who's swimming naked. These are Warren Buffett quotes, I guess. And when everything's going well and the economy's growing, well, when you own the indexes, the majority of those companies are going to be cyclical and they're going to rise with the cycle. Well, when the economy's not doing hot, you're still investing, and when you're investing in the next, those same 500 companies, for example, in the S&P, and now the majority of the companies are hurting from the economic cycle. So that's why you have a bear market, because the majority of those companies are going down. That's how the index works, when you own a basket of securities. Now, what works better in this environment is non-cyclical businesses, businesses that are thriving or doing better, or at least whole, treading water in times like this and able to gain market share from weaker competitors, able to buy up assets of bankrupt companies, able to swoop in and buy out companies at very low prices when they're struggling. Those are the names that will hold up best and oftentimes go up in value, even in this market. Let's go to Phil in San Rafael. He wants to talk about money market funds. Oh, I'm sorry. Bill I do. in San Rafael. Thanks for taking my call, Justin. Sure. Hey, um, I just had an influx of cash. I sold a business, and I have a Vanguard account for many years, so I mm -hmm. put the cash in the prime money market. Uh, and... So my asset allocation is way out of kilter right now. I'm only in about about 30% equities. But it's a fairly large amount of cash, and I wonder, I was wondering what your comfort level would be uh, with somebody like me holding that money there while I gradually dollar-cost average uh, to get back to somewhere 60-40, uh, 60% equities. I don't have any problem with with that. Uh, you're, you're saying is the Vanguard Prime Money Market safe? Right. I'd have to really look at the holdings. I, I don't, I'm not really up on what those holdings are. Are they are they treasuries? Do you know? I, I'm not exactly sure. I, I don't think so. 
I think so, there's a portion of it that is. I'm looking at their website right now. Uh, 34% is U.S. Treasury bills. 51% are Yankee foreign, foreign bonds. So basically dollar-denominated foreign bonds. Now, is that are those dollars denominated in China or what? What are those corp? What What are those government bonds really exposed to? So that would be my main question. You know, it's Vanguard. I think you're probably fine. I wouldn't be too worried about that, especially with the Fed backstopping uh, money market accounts. I, I don't think they're going to let any money market accounts break the buck like some of them did back in 2008. So I think you're 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 in a safe place. So um, I wouldn't worry about that. Uh, it's just more of you know how do you get in and what type of uh, positions. So don't worry too much about that money market fund. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here each and every weekday is to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. We have about seven minutes left in the show. So if you're going to call, you have to do it right now. So our work continues after this final break at 888-99-CHART. Invest Talk. Will a major shift in the post COVID 19 economy mean that investors should emphasize stocks and non broad based ETFs? Steve Peasley will break down the story tomorrow. But now Justin Klein is here. He's got answers and he's waiting for your questions. Call Justin, 888 99Chart. Let's go to Nehemiah in Arizona looking at Gilead Sciences. Yes. You're looking to buy it? You own it? What? Yeah, I'm looking to buy it uh, with the current uh, coronavirus, and I think mm-hmm. uh, it's yet to stay with us. So what What do you think uh, they are showing promise uh, with the drugs uh, they're making? I know it's all in the research. So what do you think... Uh, in the long term for the company, if someone tries to pick it up here, what are your thoughts? And uh, so I will let some guidance on yeah, that. Well the, yeah, well, yeah, uh, so they popped pretty pretty decent after hours, about, uh, what, 15% or so from, they closed today right around $77, and now it's at about $89 after hours. And they showed some preliminary st- clinical study out of the University of Chicago, uh, and they use remdesivir. And it looks promising so far, but it's only that was only on 113 patients. It's part of a larger study of 2,400 patients with severe COVID-19 and 1,600 with moderate forms. So you're very early to to the to the uh, the game, uh, and this still has some ways to go before you see actual. actual studies that, that really prove that it works. You're seeing some anecdotal um, preliminary research, but these things take time. You know, you need double-blind studies with placebos and to really see that it works. Um, so odds are you missed the pop. Um, could the pop continue? Typically, these take a few days to settle out. So maybe you get a surge tomorrow and Monday and Tuesday. Um, but I think for the majority, at least the near-term move, is, is probably already priced in, uh, and odds are pretty good that 
this will not show any fantastic results. It might be moderate. Um, having a cure-all for something like this is something that is just unlikely. Is it possible? Sure. Um, but you're already pricing in a lot of that optimism here after the price jump. Um, but if you're looking to play this news, then uh, you have to look for or expect a lot of volatility because the next news could be the exact opposite, something that shows that it's not quite as, as effective as uh, previously thought. So still a long way to go with res remdesivir. Remdesivir, here we go. 88.99 chart, 88.992.4278. And before we go, I want to really touch on the longer-term effects of this crisis and potential deglobalization, likely deglobalization, because of the supply shock that this has caused throughout uh, the world. Not just the demand shock, but also the supply shock. You're starting to see that with uh, meat where uh, meat shortages because packing plants are having a tough time staying open and being as efficient because of protocols and uh, getting workers to, to show up for work. It's, it's tough. Uh, and there's a lot of industries that are being affected by now supply constraints, not just demand destruction, but supply constraints uh, because they've sourced from all over the world. And... They're realizing, and a lot of people, politicians as well, realizing that we're relying too much on complex global supply chains that are not just specific to, just to China, but many other countries as well. And governments of all types have rushed to impose travel bans and visa requirements and export restrictions. And all this is making economies more national and politics more nationalistic. Right, And I think this is uh, going to be a very, very strong longer-term trend because of this major event. And the cost advantage of producing in China has really eroded throughout the years. And so it's going to make a lot more sense for companies to onshore production and impose tariffs even on imported goods. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Monday. Steve Pizza will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you and your friends can access our free and best talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278.